What's up, guys? We're all trying to keep our distance these days, which can be tough on agencies. If you are only offering your clients the option to pay by paper check, someone has to be in the office. Let me recommend an alternative to that. It's ePay Policy, a fantastic service that I've grown to depend on in my business. They are an agency-centric solution that helps you easily accept virtual checks and credit cards. And getting set up with them is a breeze. Go to ePayPolicy.com, use the code IGPODCAST. That is I. G podcast, and you're going to get your first month free. ePay Policy gets the insurance guy's seal of approval. They are a great company. I use them in my agency. I would highly recommend them. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a 6'3 sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama. Parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I feel at home. I have my mic back. The last 10 or so podcasts we've done, Johnny's got this other mic I have to use and I just don't like it, including the first one we did today. And so I have my mic back right here that I'm just so in love with. And the only thing that's missing is Scott's not sitting next to me. Oh, so. Hey, I will tell you, you sound fantastic on that microphone. I know. It's like, it's, it's like, and you know, Howard Stern's like funny about that. Like with his, yeah. with his mic, I think you and I talked about like, I don't know what it is. And, but, but you know, like the other mic's a great mic, but I don't hear myself as good. Johnny's shaking his head saying, no, it's not. I don't hear myself as good. And what happens is my Southern accent comes out on the other mic. And I'm like, oh, dear God, I hate the way I sound when I listen to the shows. And with this one, uh, you can just really hear yourself. Anyway, we're, we're nerding out, but, or I'm nerding out. So that's okay. But I'm good, yeah, man. Say, I'm good. They, How say, are you? They, they say that H- Howard Stern has his own like $10,000, $20,000 microphone that he uses. And they, in the product, in the studio, Johnny probably knows more about this than I do, but they turn him up in a way that he's a little louder, a little clearer than, than everybody else that has a mic yeah. in the studio. Not comparing myself to Howard Stern at all, oh, because yeah, I don't want are. that to happen. But, but no, it's just when you do this eight hours a day, like, oh, you got to have your favorite pen, you know? It's, yeah, it's nice to have, it's nice to have something you like. I get it. I get it. Guys, Listen. We've got a great show for you today. I'm excited about having my guest on. He's a friend of ours, been a friend of ours for a long time. Uh, you know, our mission on this podcast is to help you agents in any way we can. We, uh, we will go to great lengths to do that. I think we've got a fantastic show today. The one thing that you can do for Bradley is if you love the show and you listen to our show, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe hit the subscribe button on YouTube or, or, you know, leave a comment, send us something telling us, leave a five star review, five star star review. review Five star would be fantastic. Uh, if you don't like the show, you can leave a one star review and you may, you know, hopefully catch me in a crippling depression when I end it all after I, you know, listen to your review. I don't know if you want that on your hands or not, but go ahead and do that. Guys, we have got a fantastic show for you today, and I'm excited to have our guest on. I want to go ahead and introduce him. So he is originally from Huntington, New York, and he resides in Seaset, New York, and I know I just brutalized that. 
he is married to the beautiful Angela, and they have two beautiful babies. And ladies and gentlemen, he is the agency owner of J.R. Orenstein, and he is a captive agent. I was going to say the J.R. Orenstein. It's a name that rhymes with great arms. I'll just put it to you like that, agency. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor to introduce my friend, Bradley's friend, first-time guest on the Insurance Guys podcast, Mr. J.R. Orenstein. How are you, J.R.? I am good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. That whole that whole having to like uh, uh, having to navigate the waters of what I could and couldn't say thing kind of screwed me up there. I'm not used to having to do that. It's all good. And by the way, the the town is pronounced Syosset. Uh, I would have never gotten yeah. that. Never. So anyone, if anyone from Long Island is listening, they're probably laughing their yeah, asses they, off. Yeah, they, they are. They are. But they don't live in Pine Ridge, Alabama, or they wouldn't <laughs> be able to say it either. It's all good. I'm going to tell a story. So I talked to JR several times through Instagram over the past about a year ago. And then June the, June the 4th, I believe of 2019, I was in New York city and was going out to grab a drink before dinner, two days before we interviewed Gary. And I walk out of my Airbnb and I hear in the thickest Long Island, New York accent, Bradley flowers. (laughs) <laughs> and I turn around and Jr. standing right there. So that's where we met. And I just always thought that was kind of a funny story. <laughs> that is, funny. And I didn't think I had a Long Island accent. So, you know. Oh, my God, dude. When I talk to other people from Long Island, I'm like, are you Jr. right now? Are you like his brother? Just like we all sound alike to you. That's right. We all sound like rednecks. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Jr. we have a lot to discuss on this podcast today. I, you know, I, I look at you and I thought you and I had a conversation, I guess it was two weeks ago for about an hour. Yeah. I didn't mean for it to go that long, but it was like we got on the phone and we were like long lost brothers just kicking around ideas and talking about a lot of different things. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what your biggest challenges are right now. Well, well before we get to that, get, get in the passenger seat of my DeLorean real quick. Let's go back in time. Uh, you talk to our audience about kind of how you got into the insurance industry and just bring us up to today. Yeah, sure. So um, grew up with uh, as a son of, uh, of an insurance agent. So I grew up in the business and uh, thought I would never do it. I was positive I would never do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up going the route of doing TV and film production out of college. That's what I studied in school. Uh, dabbled in that for about a year, um, enjoyed it, but after a little bit of time, figured out that it really wasn't uh, professionally the lifestyle that I wanted to have. Right. So um, I took another sales job uh, in New York City, wasn't too big of a fan of that job. That was a headhunting position, wasn't a real fan of their uh, their tactics. Um, and eventually I went to my father and I said, all right, all right, my whole life you've been telling me this is what I should do and you think I'd be great at it, you know, just kind of convinced me why I should switch from moving uh, from, you know, a movie set to working into a, an insurance agency. It's a pretty big contrast there. So he sold me on giving it a try. And I said, all right, I'll give you six months. And if I love it, great. If I don't know hard feelings. So I went to work for him, learned the, uh, the business, and I never looked back. Worked for him for about three years. Learned all the different aspects of um, sales and management and, uh, and then opened up my own doors in 2007, about uh, 15 miles away. 
So what was the big, what was the number one thing that your dad taught you when you were like a neophyte going into that agency, your time there, what was the one thing he taught you that's always kind of struck with, stuck with you, you know, as you've opened up your own agency? That's a great question because we have similarities, but we're also so different. Right. You know, he's very old school, conservative, um, very hands-on in the front lines, mm -hmm. you know, the type of agent who is just walking around listening to conversations and at sometimes, you know, asking to put the client on hold so he could take over, right. which, I, <laughs> which no one ever, no, that's not the position anyone really wants to be in. Are you guilty of that? I, I do that sometimes. If I, hear somebody, <laughs> if I hear somebody struggling, I'll say, stop, stop, put them on hold. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But he, um, I, I, you know, a big takeaway for me was a, the relationships he built. Um, he had clients over 30 years that would never go anywhere else. Right. Um, and it was because of the relationship, the trust, um, and that just the, uh, the genuine love that he was giving to his people and that I think spilled over to the team. So people felt at home and they, and, and they knew that, um, that they were going to be taken care of, especially when bad things happen. So I learned that when you're, when you're running a, a, an agency day to day, you're thinking about sales and production and revenue. Um, and often what gets kicked to the side is, uh, well, how are we really earning the paycheck? And we're earning the paycheck when something bad happens. Are we delivering on it? Right. right. That, that's when you're really earning the paycheck. And it's so important that when something happens that you are so you're going so far beyond what the expectation is. Right. So, um, so I learned uh, a lot about that. I also learned that you got to know your numbers. Um, and I used to think, you know, that my father was just a little OCD and nutty with all of the chicken scratch, all the numbers and breaking everything down. But I was in my early 20s. I wasn't as mature. But as I became an agent, and especially in the last couple of years, I can't tell you how much time I spend with a notepad and a pen or even now more days, uh, you know, on my cell phone, on the notes, just doing, figuring out my, my calculations, my numbers so that, you know, whatever my goal is, whatever I want to get to, or for my individual team members, always planning out. All right, well, what does that take? You want this annually? What do you have to do monthly? What is that? weekly and what activity daily and just always breaking it down to the formula. So it's more predictive. You know, so those are the those are probably the big two takeaways I, I took from him. Hey, Jr. I want you to talk a little bit. I've heard Bradley talk about this some too, but I think this is something that our agency force that listens to this could really take to heart. So break down for them from a goal perspective. Thirty thousand. Well, let's go lower than thirty thousand feet, but let's break down how you get to those goals because I know pretty specific on how you do that. It's not just, hey, we need to sell $30,000 worth of insurance this month. Per, I'm talking about per producer, right? Yep. Can, can you break that down for our agents that are all listening to this right now? Maybe they can write this shit down and, and get down to the nuts and bolts of how you back into really how much activity needs to be done to get to that goal. Yeah, sure. So what I do is I, I'll, I'll work individually with my team and uh, come to an agreement on what their goals are. Oftentimes, you know, I'll open up saying, what would you like to accomplish? Right. And uh, sometimes, those are, sometimes those numbers are even higher than what I would have come up with. Mm -hmm. um, in some cases, they could be lower, which case I, I have to say, all right, we got to raise the bar a little bit. But, um, but once we've established 
um, what the goal is. And if that's someone who's, let's just take out a, you know, a rookie for a second here. If you've got someone who's already in the mix and we're looking to improve, then it's normally starting off with, we're not saying, all right, well, let's just, what do we have to do to triple our production? I kind of believe let's inch our way into it, right? Mm -hmm. Make the carrot a little bit closer. Um, so it's within reach. Hey, can I, interrupt, I, can, I, yeah. can I interrupt you for one second? Yeah. Is it, what is your goal or is it how much money do you want to make this year? I've had both conversations. I have, I can't say that uh, the majority of my conversations are how much money do you want to make? It's normally, and it's probably because it's how I think of it. A lot of times from a day-to-day standpoint, I'm more of a player. Um, I'm more of a, you know, win the game, get better at the game, sort of, that's my mentality. So, you know, for example, we can say, you know, the goal for maybe a salesperson is I want to write 25 new auto policies in a month. Let's just say that that's a goal. Um, We don't know what the premiums are going to be per car. And so I find it's easier from, from a math standpoint, from a goal standpoint to talk about policy counts. And we can predict, we can have a decent prediction of what that's going to equate to from a commission standpoint when we look at averages. Right. But, you know, if someone's goal is 25 and they hit 25, you know, it could, who knows what the range of premium is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, one day uh, we're riding a, a Ferrari and the next one could be uh, a Toyota and they're going to be very different mm-hmm. premiums. So norm- generally we concentrate on what the production numbers are. Mm-hmm. And then we'll we may estimate this is roughly what you're going to look at from a commission standpoint. Gotcha. So we'll take a look at what the monthly goal is. And then I'm literally just as simple. And once we figure out, okay, here's where you are, here's where we want to be. I just make it simple. It's all right. Divide that by four. All right. This is what you want to be doing on a weekly basis. And you know, what I say is your mentality is every Monday morning, you're saying, my week is done when I have completed this weekly production. That's the goal. That And, and you got to be thinking, I should be done by Thursday at the latest and yeah. give yourself that wiggle room. So you're really turning it kind of into a four-day goal instead of even a five, right? Yeah. And then from a daily standpoint, that's when it's more activity-driven, all right? So on average, we're saying at least one new household. Each salesperson should be writing at least one new household you know, with no zeros. That's what we go for. No zeros. And so if you want to write a new household every day, it's got to know your closing ratios, you know? So if you're, if you're writing one out of five on average, one out of four, one out of five on average, then you know exactly how many people you have to quote each day. And it's really that simple. And it's by all means necessary. Don't shut down your computer until you've gotten that, that many quotes in. Mm-hmm. You know, and that might mean that you've got to make a lot of phone calls, but in a lot of cases, especially as our salespeople get into a rhythm, they're getting enough referrals mm-hmm. that they're not, there, there are no 100 out, you know, hundred calls a day. That's just not happening in my office because we're so focused on developing relationships and getting referrals that as crazy as it sounds, and it's the greatest problem to have is, you know, often the most common complaint I get is, JR, I don't have time. I've got, I've got three people waiting for me right now. I got to get to these quotes, right? I got too many referrals today. Um, and that sounds like BS. It is not BS. You know, if you put in a lot of effort into developing those relationships and doing right by people, eventually you're going to be taking orders and you're not going to have to beg for quotes. 
you know? So that's it. So it really comes down to divide your monthly by your weekly, know what, how many quotes you have to get that and have a sales process for taking advantage of every opportunity that you have so that you're making the most of it. You increase your closing ratios and you increase um, how many types of insurance you are providing to each client because it gets harder to multi-line down the road. And we're always talking, you know, to our existing clients for sure about what their other needs are, what their other concerns are, but we try to address as many of them as we can upfront just by asking them questions about what's important to them and giving them context so that they can make the right decision. for them. The thing is, is like when you break that down and you go, you know, here's our premium goal or here's our income goal divided by the commission rate, divided by the close ratio, divided by the number of days in a year, like I've done that for my team a couple of times. And for example, recently it was a million dollars in new business producer was like, I could never imagine writing that much. And I broke it down. It was like five quotes a day. Like when you break it down to the, just the yeah. granular level, it, it makes this massive elephant seem way smaller. And, right. and it shocks me at the number of people that don't do that. Yeah. I, and I, I think people get a little intimidated by, by the big numbers um, for sure. And it can be almost discouraging. Um, it's like, you know, you quit before you even try. Uh, and for me, it's really comforting to play out the numbers uh, and to make that carrot not only right in front of you, but just simplified, you know, and just concentrate on the activity. If the activity is there, the results will come. But, you know, I've told my team a million times, they've heard me say it so many times, your, your goals are, they're not irrelevant but having a goal doesn't do anything for you. You have to have a plan for what gets you there and you got to break it down. You got to know what the formula is saying, well, you know, I'd like to do, you know, 50,000 in, in premium this month. That's great. But that does literally nothing for you if you don't know how you're getting there. So that's a, that is a perfect segue into what I wanted to ask both you and Bradley. So do you guys put the onus on yourself? Do you put it on your back, your shoulders to get those phones ringing for your agency force? Or do you feel like that's more of their responsibility to shoulder the burden of making sure that phone's ringing every day? Or or is it kind of a blend of both of those? For me, it's definitely a blend. I would say in the last couple of years, I've had a little bit of of a change in my mindset. I used to think, hey, you know what? I don't want to have any baby birds in my office sitting in their nest waiting for mommy to drop the food into their mouth. Right. You got to go out there. You got to hunt. You got to make, if you got to make 300 calls, you make 300 calls. And I still believe that you have to, you know, you have to be proactive, no doubt about it. But with that said, there's the other mindset where I've been changing is, you know, First of all, I actually enjoy marketing. I enjoy developing the relationships and being able to provide for my team. And I now see it as a vital role as an agency owner to, to give them opportunity, not to just say you're on your own, right? But to give them that support. It certainly makes uh, working in the agency a lot more attractive um, when, you know, you've got someone saying, hey, I've got someone who needs a quote. Can you help them? I got someone who needs a quote. I got someone who needs a quote or handing them off and and developing relationships, helping them do that for them. But when you take it upon yourself as the agent to be the rainmaker and to develop the opportunities, the other advantage is that your sales team has more time to close. I mean, if they're spending half of their day hunting, that means they're only have half of their day quoting and closing. 
Right. So if I can spend more of my time making it rain with quotes, then it's way more, it's a way more efficient way for them. They're going to close more because they're not out, you know, flying around hunting, looking for their next quote. They can just be, you know, having great conversations, quoting, closing. And now all of a sudden, maybe instead of having five quotes a day, you can get up to seven, eight, nine, ten, because they're not spending their time hunting. Bradley? I look at it in a similar way. So I, and Scott, you've heard me say this in JR too, you know, I think in 2020 and beyond, uh, employees need to provide more value to the employer than the money in which they are being paid. And I think that employers need to provide more value to the employee than the money that they're paying. So for me, kind of one of my value adds to my team members and to people that I'm recruiting is you're going to write estimated an extra 20 grand by working at this agency per month than you are going to write working down the street. Because I've done all this marketing, I've built all this brand over the last years, over the last few years, I don't write any insurance. Very rarely do I write a policy. Usually, if I write a policy, it's because I want to learn something like the contractor I told you I worked on last week. So everything that comes to me, every person that's buying insurance from Bradley goes to my team members. That being said, I also want to empower them to prospect on their own and to prospect and build their own relationships. And I know not everybody listening to me agrees with that, Yeah. but I want to empower them and teach them how to prospect. I got one guy right now, probably one of the best prospectors I've ever dealt with. He's, he's kind of like me. He likes researching and digging around and finding things out before he ever calls the client. And the people that have worked for us that, that it didn't work out, they took the 20 grand as like, oh, that was my production. Whereas we would have closed that with or without you. You know what I mean? So I kind of take both approaches, if that makes sense. I do a blend of both. But with that being said, I tell everybody, there will be a day where you get paid a higher commission percentage on business that you killed and dragged in. Mm-hmm. than business that I sent to you. Right. There will be a day where that's the case. And I think that's the right way for it to be done. I mean, I've got a producer now that I was talking to and I was like, look, this person has done around, has done about a hundred grand in the six months that they work for me. And I told him recently, I said, this hundred grand that you've written is way more valuable to my agency than a hundred grand from somebody that's just writing stuff that I'm sending them because that hundred grand, he went out and found that and brought it in. So I look at, I, I see both. I, I don't really have a good answer, but I just, I do a blend of both. And, and none of us have this crap figured out either guys. Like we all do, we all do what works best for us, you know? Hey guys, it's Bradley with the Insurance Guys Podcast here. I know I'm interrupting your podcast listening experience right now, but I have a very important message for you. No singular individual has done more for the Insurance Guys Podcast than the man himself, Mr. Chris Paradiso. And as you may or may not know, uh, Chris releases a magazine once a year called Be the Last Agent Standing that is a phenomenal resource for the industry. Guys, you do not, I repeat, you do not want to miss this year's issue. It features some fantastic articles from people like Ryan Hanley, Bob McCool, and even myself. And if you want to get your hands on a copy before they're all gone, text the word magazine to 251-237-9383. That's 251-237-9383. We will send you the link to purchase your magazine. Really appreciate it. Thanks. JR, let's talk about creative marketing for a second. 
I know you've been, you've been, you and I had a, a nearly an hour long conversation about some creative marketing that we were both looking at last week. And I felt like we were kind of both. I'm going to say something real quick. Okay. JR is, JR, JR, you're going to like this. All right. I know a lot of marketers. I know a lot of marketers. JR is the most creative out of the box marketer I've ever met. Ah, thank you, man. That's I high praise. That. Every single time, every single time I talk to him, he's got some out of the, and I think out of the box, like I'm pretty out of the box. I feel like every single time I talk to him, it's like this wild and crazy idea. And I'm like, how in the hell is he going to pull this off? And then he breaks it down. How it's going to happen. I'm like, wow, that really makes sense. Mm-hmm. So preface what you're about to what we're about to get into everybody you're gonna like this so thank you so jr talk to us a little bit about some of the creative marketing ideas that that you uh and i know you probably can't deep dive as far as we'd like to today but just uh give some people give these people just a a little whitman sampler of kind of some of the stuff you're doing well you know for me um and I really appreciate the, uh, the, the praise from Bradley on that one. For me, the best part of what I do, what makes me happiest, is when I'm thinking about creative ways to generate business. Mm-hmm. And, and so if we were going to say really broadly, it's about developing relationships, meeting the right people, and looking for ways, engaging every relationship with, how could I help them, right? So how can I help their business? Okay. Um, I think what a lot of insurance agents do in general is, all right, here's the type of person I want to refer to me. How do I convince them to refer to me? And I think most agents are all saying the same exact thing, mm-hmm. you know, refer to me cause I'm quick and I'm cheap and we've got great customer service and it's just all blah, blah, blah. Right. It's all blah, blah. Everyone's saying that. So, Really, you know, my approach is nothing original, just going into it thinking, all right, based on what this person does for a living, uh, what would help their business? And if I can help their business directly, that's what I engage in. And if, or if I can help them indirectly, maybe that's introducing them to other people that I work with. Maybe that's, maybe that's just having, uh, brainstorming sessions and talking about, you know, how I could help their business or what I would do if I was in their business. Sometimes getting outside uh, advice from someone who's not in the thick of it uh, can really help generate some, some great ideas. But by and large, uh, I would say that my marketing method uh, overall is growing my personal network, um, getting the, you know, growing the attention of the people that I want to do business with that I want to work with and growing uh, essentially a network of referral sources. And they do it not because I'm saying, Oh, I'm the best and certainly not any sort of non-compliant, you know, ways of, well, you give me this, I give you this. All right. Right. Um, That's, uh, that's really the worst thing uh, I think you can do. But all, all of my marketing is based on get in front of the right people and find different ways to help their business. Developing, you know, getting, certainly engaging with them, right? Uh, Whether that's online or or speaking to them on a regular basis. And my team has 
witnessed what I do. I share a lot of, you know, what I do with them so that they themselves can do it. I'm not, you know, kind of what Bradley was uh, alluding to it. I'm not of the belief, hey, you know, I'm the one who brings in the opportunity. It all funnels through me directly. And, you know, they don't know my sources or something like that. I, I don't protect it. It's actually, I'm going to, I want you to, I want to show you exactly what I do. And yeah, is it is it possible that, you know, well, you know, some people don't stay with you forever and they're going to take those skills elsewhere. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's yeah. totally fine. Because, you know, what works today may not even work tomorrow anyways, you know. So yeah. it's always thinking outside of the box. And uh, whether that's in the mortgage field, real estate field, car field, uh, how can I help uh, these people out, help their business? And if I can't explain it to them, uh, if I can't sell them on how I can help their business, then there is no relationship. It won't start and it certainly won't get maintained. Yeah. Talk about your sales mantra. My sales mantra. Uh, well, it would, you know, how do I, I'm trying to avoid cliches, right? Because everyone says value, value, value. You got to give your value. And it's true, right? There's just, that. that's it. Forgive me for not coming up with a more creative word, but we're in that business where it is a, considered a commodity and every conversation is starting off with the customer saying, save me money. Every single one, that's their expectation. So our plan is to dissolve that factor as much as humanly possible. So you're never gonna take price off the table. You know, if you're double, triple the rate, you're likely not going to get the sale. Let's get real, right? right? But what I, what I talk about with the team is you got to separate, and I learned a lot from, uh, from Kirk about <laughs> separating uh, yourself from the competition by never comparing what they have. Mm -hmm. It's just the worst thing. Now, that you know, so the customer says, all right, can you just give me an apples to apples price? And if you do that, if you do that, you're just going to lose the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I know that, you know, on a team member level or an agent level, there's that pressure kind of give in and give the customer what they want. But if you play that game, you're going to lose. And you're also not even going to be doing the right thing for the client, right? The client may say to you, I don't care, JR. I want 25, 50, 10, which are the minimum uh, limits in New York. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you do that, you're likely going to not get the sale anyway. And if you got lucky that you're cheaper, you really screw them over because you gave them awful coverage. And they're going to leave you six months later when someone else is cheaper at the 25, 50, 10. So it's just not a smart strategy to do that. So everything is about giving them a story or context. If this happens, how would you like to be taken care of? If this happens, how would you like to be taken care of? and putting it in such simple terms that they get it. Right. And then at the end, it's like, all right, based on what you told me, here's what we got, here's the plan. And it should be expected that it's gonna be a lot more money. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't be thinking that it's going to be cheaper. They should be thinking, well, good Lord, I just built up this plan where it's four times the coverage. Mm -hmm. I I'm just happy it's not four times the price. Is there a large, you know, is there- there And in most cases, it's not. Well, you know, yeah, if absolutely. it's four times the coverage, it's never four times the price. So if, as long as you've built enough, you know, built up the, the increased coverage enough, their brain is going to, oh, it's going to be way more expensive. And then it's less expensive than they think, you know, and yeah. my favorite line, and I'll say I'm, I'm guilty of not, not saying this often, 
but uh, is, is, oh, well, I can't do apples to apples because there's really no comparison between us and them. Ooh, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you guys better write that shit down. Yeah. You, you know what I say to my, uh, my team and uh, I think they're using it. I don't know how much you're using it, but what I tell them is uh, to the client, if they're stuck on price, what I tell them is, well, dollar for coverage, we're a lot cheaper, right? Because when you, once you take the, that, you know, if, if we're only a dollar more a day with, you know, four times the coverage, we are cheaper for dollar to coverage, uh -huh. you know? And, uh, and, you know, there's a reason why most people, they go to the Starbucks, they don't, I don't know there. I can never remember what the sizes are because I never, I don't go to the Starbucks very often, but, but no one, it's very rare people get the small because they just see, well, for 25 cents, I'm getting this much more coffee. Right. And so you just have to apply that mentality to the customer, they have to understand that it's it's not smart to get the size small. It's not a good value. Right. When I go to Starbucks, I call them small, medium, and large just to piss them off. <laughs> Does it make them mad when you but, say that? But I, th I I think so. I'm not sure. Oh, you mean a venti? Like I want a large. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So and you know what we've done before too is. But first of all, can we talk about how ridiculous it is that the minimum property damage limit in New York is $10,000? Wow. I was it's thinking crazy. the same thing. It's crazy. Wow. Like, I could walk out in this parking lot right here and hit $10,000 in two seconds. Oh, yeah. More than $10,000. Yeah. And in Long anyway, Island, where I live, what? there's a lot of high-end cars. Yeah. 10000 is yeah, scratch on the bumper. Right. Our boy JR's got like 25,000 followers on TikTok from all those exotic cars he's been posting. <laughs> I'm dabbling. I'm dabbling. I'm, a little, I'm about twice the age, if not more, than the average person on there. But, um, you know. we, are, we are interviewing tomorrow, I believe, the, the guy who I think has the most followers on TikTok for an insurance agent. I don't know that Scott knows that yet. You know, what we used to do, too, another cool little strategy is um, if we were more expensive – we would automatically increase the limits to more than what we were quoting them at. Yeah. So let's say we're quoting two fifty five hundred, and we're more expensive than the current policy. Then we would increase it from two fifty five hundred to one million CSL or five hundred thousand CSL, and say, okay, look, here's the deal, Mr. Johnson. You know, we're thirty dollars a month more, but the coverage is three times or four times, yeah. and they still might not take it. But like, you know if Scott and I were in a boxing match right now, I'd have no chance to win, but I'm at least going to go down swinging. You know, right. if you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna wave the white flag, at least try. And I mean, if, if it gets us, let's say we're going to lose 10 cases this month, but we save one by doing that. It, it it's worth the extra two minutes it takes to go back and requote it. Yeah. Right. Right. Plus, plus matching what they have is technically always a backup plan. If it really comes to that, it just doesn't make sense to start there. Right. Worst case scenario, if you had to give in before they're hanging up the phone, you, you could do that. But it just doesn't make sense to do that. Even if they've got average coverage, still not enough. And if you give them a story of, well, if this happened, how much are you okay with take, you know, paying out of your own pocket? How much would you like us to pay for? Uh, most of them, when you give it to them in that context, are like, well, I don't want that. I don't have a hundred thousand to pay out of pocket. I'd want you to pay for all of it. And a lot of them are super, I mean, they're a lot of them are really surprised when they realize, what do you mean? I'm not currently covered for that. I live with the person that is the best in the world at explaining coverage to customers. So I hear it a lot. <laughs> I mean, uh, you gotta any, be good at any, it. Anytime you can tell a story during the insurance sale and 
and do it in a way that kind of wraps in coverage stories of each coverage and, and to be able to uh, succinctly and simply explain what each coverage does in a way that my 13 year old son can understand it. It, it seems to work better. It seems to, to, to have a, a bigger effect. Uh, I, I'm a, as you know, a storyteller. So I love, you know, giving visual examples. Well, do you, can do you, you know, Mr. Jones look out there on that highway 31 right there. One out of four drivers don't have insurance, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. People seem to do better with that. And if you can uh, do some of the tips and tricks that you guys have given today, wrap that into a story, be able to, to explain those coverages in a way that people can understand. And they go, Oh, nobody's ever explained that to me that way. Right. It, it really goes a long way. It really does. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the average customer doesn't know anything right. about insurance uh, and they really don't care how smart you are uh, and all the terminology that you can spit out. They don't right. care. If anything, they're going to resent it because you're going to make them feel dumb because they don't understand what you're saying. So it's always best to give a simple story that's very visual so that they can see it in their head. They can, they can see, you know, we talk about, Hey, you know, what if a Mercedes Benz, you know, slammed on the brakes in front of you, you end up tapping it from behind and the old lady's coming out of her car, holding her neck, that visual, they know, they, they get that. They remember that, you know, it tells the story. Wasn't there a story? I think it happened when we were in New York with you where, Tracy Morgan had bought a, a Bugatti yeah. brand new and was driving it home from the dealership and somebody with 25, 50, 10 hit him. Yeah. I don't even know if he met went eight blocks before he got hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two, $2 million Bugatti. It's going to happen. Something like that. Yeah. But uh, man, we really enjoyed having you on. It's, it's been long overdue. Hey Bradley. I appreciate it. You know, you know what the oil Thanks, change God. on, you know what the oil change on a Bugatti cost? I don't even want to know. If I'm not mistaken, and you can Google search this, but I'm pretty sure to change the oil in a Bugatti, they have to take the engine out. I believe the oil change is 25000 and I think each tire on that car is something like $25,000, $30,000. An oil change on the least expensive model, which is the V-Ron. Did I say that right? JR, they run. Uh, I, I have not insured one of those yet. So we're going to call it a Veyron. The Veyron, the least expensive model at 1.7 million in oil change costs 20000 to $25,000. There you go. Crazy. Y'all got any of them Bugatti Veyrons over here? I've been thinking about buying one. I'm from down in Union Hill, Alabama. And my wife and I, we, we're driving an 87 Ford Explorer right now, but. <laughs> We've been thinking about getting us one of them V-Ron Bugattis. Y'all got one of them on the lot in Baby Blue? Oh, my. I had a friend that had a Mercedes one time, and it cost him $400 to get the oil changed in it. And I remember thinking how stupid that was. <laughs> JR, we love you. I'm going to shut this thing down. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. This was awesome. Hey, Annie, I love talking to you. I, I want to spend more time with you and spend more time. I really enjoyed talking with you a couple of weeks ago, too. But, guys, yeah. listen to me. Rewards come from action, not discussion. We talked about a lot of stuff today that can help your agency. Hope your associate agents will listen to this stuff, too, because there's some tips and things that we talked about today that could help them. 
you know, tonality, the way you say things, the way you tell stories. You know, I think Bradley and JR both uh, gave great examples today of doesn't really have to be your associate agent's responsibility to just go out there every day and, and hunt. Some of that falls on your shoulders as well. And I think they're both correct. I think it's a blend of both. But whatever it takes, you got you to get that damn phone ringing. That phone has got to ring. If that phone will ring and you will sell insurance like your damn hair is on fire, you will end up making a bunch of money in the insurance business. You'll be able to take care of your wife or husband. Your kid's college fund will get, get where it needs to be for your kids to get to go to college. And you can take care of your parents that are struggling out there. And there's a hell of a lot of them that are right now. So write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, JR. Hey, guys. Thank you. You are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.